Okay. So, it's almost November, which reminds me of one of those years that I call the 35 cent November. My wife and I were missionaries working at Sam Houston State. We just closed down my construction company here in Colorado and she quit her advertising job. We had over 30, almost 40 days on the snow that year. We had, what a, we, were, we were married and life was everything and we just like stepped down to go be missionaries in Texas and we had a November that 35 cents left in our bank account and you know when there's charges that it's pending and you're like, oh no, we're gonna overdraft. And we were two weeks away from having our second kid named Shane. And so, uh, I remember because she was born December 15th, so it's just the tail end of November. And so I was like, God, what do I do? I need some money. And so we're cutting a tree. And so I've been working on this song. And it goes, 35 cent November, and I'm feeling a little pressure, but I know that I need you. Oh, I know that I need you. I need to turn to. He's like, I want you to bless me. He's like, that's what I'm here to bless you. Right? And so 
For the rest of his life, he walked around with a limp, and it was a mark that he met with God. And so in this song I'm writing, like, Lord, I know you can show up, so here I am walking with a limp. So it's three in the morning, and my knee is throbbing, and I wake up laughing, I'm like, baby, baby, it's the song. And she's like, hey, I'm So here it is. November, I'm feeling a little pressure, and I know that I need you. Oh, I know that I need you. It's a pending apprehension. I don't think it's a healthy tension, but I know that I need you. Oh, I know that I need you. I keep looking for the horizon to where I hope to see a light on. I know that I need you. Oh, I know that I need you. And I keep looking at my watch. Watching my mind, wondering 
the most important thing you'll find is getting the internal right. If we can get freedom on the inside, it really won't matter what you face. Amen? Um, you guys all right? This, this is what you call preaching. Uh, if you're wondering, like, why is he shouting at us? I'm not shouting at you. I'm shouting because I have a microphone and it helps. I'm shouting because this is important. I don't want you to fall asleep. All right. So Jesus said in Luke 13:5, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you all likewise will perish. Oh, hmm. we'll find it somewhere. I think it's slide number two or three, but maybe maybe it's not. No, not that one. No, all the way. It's fine, my fault. All right, well, just uh, for real. Technology. All right, I guess you have to trust the summer. Oh, how do I do it? That's uh, Luke um, chapter 13, verse 5. Now, that word repent is those red letters, is the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia. Meta, the mu, epsilon, tau, uh, alpha, uh, eta, omicron, epsilon, omega. Metanoia is the word. Metanoia is what you know. Noia, Gnostic, you get those the root words. Meta literally means, anybody met, metadata? Anybody have heard this meta before? Metaphysics? Meta, anybody else know the word that meta carpal? Meta. This word literally means to get out of your mind. So when you're like, you're a Christian, are you out of your mind? Yeah, actually, it's exactly what happened to me. I got saved and I think totally completely different now. I'm out of my mind. The word to repent. Means to, it means to get a new mind, to get a new way of, of thinking. And so to be a Christian, to inherit the kingdom, it's not just a prayer you pray, it's also a new way of thinking, a new way of processing the data that you see. Because the difference between truth and fact, the difference between truth and fact, does anybody know what the difference is? There's a difference between truth and fact. Fact is what we hear on every news outlet. Truth is the narrative. You could say, on this person's third wife, uh, you finally learned how to love. That's facts, facts, facts. But there's a slander to it. The storyline says that the guy's first maybe left his first two wives. And he's got three wives. So the facts are right. He's had three wives and, and he finally learned how to love. Maybe that's a fact too. But the storyline says this guy was a real sucker on the inside. You know, he, he abused women first or whatever it may be. But what if his first two wives died because they had cancer? And, he, and they weren't in it long enough. And so the third wife, he finally had married for 10 years. You know what I'm saying? So the facts, the, the story to the facts is the truth. And it's only the truth if it's the right story. So the slander, devil, the devil is the slanderer. So he's the accuser. He accuses the brethren. To slander means you use facts with the wrong story. So let, let me tell you this. You guys have probably heard this before. You've heard this story before, but this is a recent one. There's, there's a, a businessman, not a Christian, had a lot, a lot of business, a lot of money, millions and millions, perhaps billions of dollars. And his, uh, and he, he trusted the management of his of certain businesses to this Christian because it's supposed to be Christian, upright, integrous, all that stuff. And so then that guy, um, that guy was was uh, accused, convicted, um, served prison time for the attempted rape of that businessman's wife. And who inside was like, dang it, how come all these Christians keep ruining our witness? Like these guys that represent God, they Everybody knows it, and then in a very, very visible way, they do this stuff. Make it hard for all of us. Anybody feel that? You get angry when you hear that news report? Yeah? Did it make you want to be like, like that guy? 
that guy is a problem, that Christian is a problem with this world? Doesn't that make you want to say that? Anybody? Would it change your thoughts a little bit if I told you that I'm talking about Joseph in the Bible and Potiphar? And Potiphar's wife was pursuing Joseph, trying to get him to sleep with her, and he wouldn't. She wanted him so bad she grabbed his cloak, and he didn't know what to do, so he ran, went straight for Jesus straight out of that place. And she's up to this cloak. Yeah, so it's like one of the few, few occurrences that and then Mark, when, when John Mark, the guards captured him and says he fled away uh, without his cloak on. So there's two streakers, at least in the Bible, that were good in a good way. So, so here's two streakers for Jesus, but so she has it. She's so embarrassed and so mad, she decides to ruin his life for not sleeping with her. And so she goes to her husband and said, that man you hired, that Christian man, that Hebrew man, he tried to rape me. And that guy, and so this is what the news does all the time is they take facts and put a different story to it. Now, think about how God works. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. But it says, Satan is the accuser. So I just want to challenge you. Whose facts do you accept? The people on the media that would expose somebody else in a way that God never would, the accusations that sound just like the devil would make? Do you trust the mouthpiece of the media? Do you trust it? Do you think they're right? Because if so, you're not metanoia yet. You guys tracking? I can't see if you're smiling or frowning because of these faces. You gotta do something. Do this, kill him, you know, I don't care. Here's the fun, here's the There we go. Romans 12, 1 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now he's calling them brethren, which means they've had an encounter with God. Okay? He's calling them brethren. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which means you have to choose to put all of what you are on the altar for God to use. There's a choice there. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be, say it with me, transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we're going to walk with God, we have to be able to think like God. Does it make sense? All right, so we okay? All right? You, you know, in the South they say, you were preaching and now you're meddling. That's what they say. You should be preaching and now you're meddling. Right? That means like, you were just preaching and I liked it until you started messing with my heart and now you're meddling. Hey, you back up there. <laughs> Matthew 4, 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Isn't that interesting that he uses two different words, sickness and disease? The more you get to love God, the more you love the Bible. The more you love the Bible, you realize no words are used on accident. When he says sickness and disease, most of us would have put disease or sickness, including disease, but he's very specific on purpose. Healing, sickness, and disease. There's all sorts of diseases people have. There's all sorts of sicknesses people have. One of the ones I want to mention this morning is that thing when it says healing all sickness, that includes what today we call mental sickness. It did not include it. Matter of fact, some one of his miracles, there's a blind man, and, and, and he, 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 he prays for him, and, and the guy, his eyes work, and Jesus goes, what do you see? And he goes, I see men walking about as trees. He saw, and then Jesus prays for him again. And the second time he prayed, he began to see perfectly. And you're like, did, your, did his first prayers not work? No, there's two separate miracles. And miracle one is restoring the actual biology of the eyes. Miracle number two is healing the mind that hasn't used to, been used to seeing. They discovered this today, that there's that. So healing every... All kinds of sickness, all kinds. Now, I'm hoping right now faith will rise up in me. Because some people, you you're, feel afflicted by something. 
Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe it's something else. And here right there is saying Jesus healing all kinds. All kinds. Does that include you? Does that include what you have? Is it possible for Jesus, the healer, to do that for even you? Well, you know, a lot of times we're like, well, I don't have that bad of a problem. It's just a manageable problem. You know, they used to say this, when we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? You're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not that bad yet. Well, did Jesus say that it has to be really bad for him to be able to heal it? Well, I don't want to be a bother. What do you mean a bother? Hey, Dad, can I have five bucks to go to the store? Son, you're bothering me right now. Sure. What are you going to buy? I don't know. Cool. I love you, son. Do you think that it can only, like, do you think that he loves you that much to just be lavish? And the wind was blowing our, I can't, but I got up this morning at four. I was asking the Lord about what he wanted to say today. The wind was just rocking that thing. I don't know if you heard it. It was crazy. We got this pop-up trailer. We could be staying in the house. The guys invited us in, but we got it all set up in an espresso machine, a really sweet one. Uh, this is, seriously, it's a commercial espresso machine. And we got some coffee that we roasted. And yeah, we were living in a big time. Got music. I'm like, come on, bro. This is, this is great. So we're there. And I'm praying. I said, God, basically, I said, this wind is a little distracting. Uh, and um, I, would you just lift it up over the thing? And just like that, the wind rises high. And no problems. Then his training went throughout all Syria. Don't get friends if, in other words, they're like, he can heal everything. Jesus has the answer for everything. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. Torments. Some here are tormented. It's not just a sickness. It's not just a bad There's a. It's not just a chemical imbalance. There's an actual torment. There's something spiritual going on. And they brought him even those. And those who were demon possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Propaganda. Can you know this term? Propaganda? Here's a good definition of propaganda. The repetition of ideas until you accept as true that which you have never examined or proved. The repetition of ideas until you accept as true that which has not been examined or proved. I hear all the time people say something like this, well God helps those of us themselves. I said, great, where does it say it in the Bible? Does it say that in the Bible? I don't know, you quote it, you tell me. Does it not? I don't know, you tell me. Then I'd have to read it. I'm not being mean, I'm sorry, I'm trying to have fun here. shampoo bottles. It says shampoo bottles. My kids read this at age four or five. You know, anybody used to read the cereal boxes? You should read everything. Once you learn how to read them, you should just read everything. You're like, okay. And you read little jokes in the box. So shampoo bottles. And it's like, this shampoo is made because we like slime, sludge out of the thing. And from the very beginning, there's a propaganda to tell a kid that they're an animal. That they're nothing more than done by chance. I'm reminded of Steve Turner poem, and it says, "Animals, animals. We've been telling them they were animals since they were born. People are starting to act like them. The crime rates are going up. The abortions are going up. We're treating people like they're no better." He goes, "The more you tell people they're just animals, eventually they'll start to act like it." Propaganda. The repetition of ideas until you accept as fact that which you've never approved. I already knew I was going to do this. All right? Tell me who says that. Doesn't it say that? You tell me. <laughs> Genesis 6 6 says, God breathed deeply. 
that he had made man, his heart was filled with pain. That doesn't, that kind of response doesn't come from somebody who's planning something. All right? You guys all right? Propaganda is, is a form of brainwashing. You keep saying something over and over and over until you accept as true that which has not been examined or proved. Um, if I talk, if someone has gnarly mood swings, gnarly mood swings, one day they're really happy, and maybe an hour later they're really down. What's that called? Depression? Yeah, what else? Bipolar, what else? Crazy? <laughs> what else? Think it? Emotional? Yeah. Manic? Anybody else? On their period? Yeah? It's more like a week at a time, not hour by hour, but I, you know, what do I know? <laughs> What is the Bible called? What is the Bible called? It's a torment. Afflicted. We'll move on. So, propaganda is, we propaganda ourselves. It's not just all from you know, outside sources. A lot of times it's from inside sources. They call it a, um, uh, an area of the brain. It's called a, Jonathan, I used to say this all the time. It's a, you don't remember? No, golly, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, that's right. Thank you. Hippocampus issue. You're, you're there, and you're like, if anybody, that, that jerk ever cuts me off again, if he ever does that to me again, Girls, you're like, if you ever try it, I'm gonna tell him peace of my mind. I'm gonna tell him next time. And you propaganda. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. And then what happens is somebody else that is not that person steps in and you say to them what you were planning on saying to them. And that person's like, what happened? I see this happen all the time. You're like, you said this about me, and I'm like, I did? And I'm like, I did not. But I saw that the other person that used to say that to you did, and you prepared that argument for the next time you felt threatened like that, and that's what jumped out of you. It's like thought muscle memory. It's funny thing about muscles is like, for, you know, when you have a muscle that's like really strong, like a lot of guys, you know, you know, you know like, a, like a bike press, uh, bike press, <laughs> bicep muscle. Uh, now bench press, I, I'm, I'm not good at it, right? And so like I try it, and I'm like, I can just get like, like a chicken, like breast size muscle right there. Like maybe two of them, that would be awesome. And I'm like trying, 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 and I'm like, God, we. And then I see my other friends do it, they're just like, it's just whatever. But I'll do a bicep, you know, just go do a curl, and it's like just like like the thing just springs to life, you know? You're like, you're like, yes, I love these muscles. Which is why we always like to use the things that we're good at, because they get big quick and grow quick, and the things we're bad at take a lot of work to get better at. And so what happens is we have thoughts like that. We have ways of winning an argument. We have ways of, of, of winning the war. We have ways of getting from point A to point B, and we like that way. And what happens is you propaganda yourself until you basically accept as this is a good way to deal with this problem without ever examining the Bible to see if it's a good way of dealing with that problem. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how you get Egypt out of you. They grew up in Egypt where if you had this sickness, they would take a cow manure and rub it on the kid and say, the God of the cow will do this for you. And then they would have another sickness and they would go from that one to this one. And they do something else just as gross. And then they would sacrifice this and that and maybe a person. All the while trying to fix all the consequences that each other thing is causing. And now they have a really screwed up way of dealing with the world around them. That is normal. And when, you know, uh, Josh, I think this, I love Josh. Josh is a fighter, right? And when we first moved to College Station, I had run a, like a garbage can. 
And I remember he was coming back to my house, and I'm like, Gah! and he's like, whoa! And just like that, like he, there's no fight or flight in the guy. There's no flight in the guy. It's all like, let's get ready to roll. And I'm like, I love that about Josh, right? So we have this where there's ways of dealing with things that in the moment you don't actually think about it. It's not like, what should I do in this situation? Let me think very clearly and consciously. Uh, it's just like, shut up, you right? You're just like, ah, you just horn, right? Like, like we're in the parking lot, you ever have someone do it, and someone like pulls it in front of you, and you're like, this, you know, and you're just like honking, and you're mad inside, and then you realize that they were like, like trying not to hit someone, and that's why they stopped, and they're like, ah, sorry, I didn't really think about that before I did it. It's based on muscle memory, mental memory. It's just the pathways, it's just the way I operate. Propaganda, we propagate ourselves. So God knew this. They were groaning, they wanted to be free of bondage. Many of us, that's like, of course we want to be free of slavery. Like, duh. But then God knows that they wanted to be free of slavery, but He knew that they didn't understand what that was going to take which was taking the slavery and slave thinking out of the inside of them. Now from Genesis chapter one, and God said that there'd be life, to Genesis chapter two and three, the creation of man and fall. From Genesis chapter three to Exodus chapter 20, where the 10 commandments are. The 10 commandments are given in Exodus chapter 20. Anybody know how much time went past between the creation of man and the giving of the rules for man. You ever thought about this? Like, God says not to live this way in Exodus 20. How come you didn't tell him in Genesis chapter 2? You ever thought about that? No? I can't, I can't see. All right, there we go. 2,700 to 3,200 years of time, history went by until they had rules. Interesting. I love playing guitar, I love playing piano. Got a number of guitars and basses, a bunch of guitars, cool stuff has been given me, and I'm really grateful for it. And uh, so you come over to my house, and, and I, um, the, those school offers where man teaches the kids part, partly and then I'll play music partly. It's really cool little rack I made. And so if I brought you over and I said, hey, listen, you see the guitar? Yeah. I love you. Play it. Play it. It's cool. Please don't steal it from me, okay? You'd be like, huh? Right? Now, Jonathan and I's wives are gorgeous because they're identical twins. Right? I mean, that's not why they're gorgeous. They are identical twins that happen to be gorgeous. Uh, which is funny because his five kids and my four are like genetic half brothers and sisters. Isn't that weird? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of fun to think about. Right? Cool. Um, but if you come over to my house, guys, and you see my wife, and you, like my cousin Justin, you know, he's, he's this amazing Apache, like helicopter pilot. He's a captain of Wolf Squadron. He's one of the few guys that have survived. Uh, the engine went out of his Apache, and he had to, to, to roto solid land it. And he's one of the few guys to survive without any injury from 3,000 feet. I mean, he's just this guy. So he's this, just kind of a hulk of a dude. I mean, he looks like G.I. Joe or Josh Nicholas, right? And so he goes, he's single. He's like, well, if all you I could get Mandy, surely I could have a chance with her sister, right? He's, kind of, he's that kind of guy, right? So I'm like, I'm kind of encouraged and slightly offended, but I don't care. You know, it's like, well, whatever, you know, she's smart. <laughs> uh, and uh, so if you're like attracted to my wife, like you think she's gorgeous, that's awesome. But don't flirt with her, all right? And you're like, who's this guy? Or if I say it again, hey, listen, I think football's cool, but. If you worship football, we can't be friends. I worship football. I'm just talking about Tom Brady, he's 43. It's kind of cool. I've just told you three of the Ten Commandments. But I shouldn't have had to tell you three of the Ten Commandments. Friends don't do that. Friends don't steal. 
Friends don't try to commit adultery. And friends don't worship stupid stuff. So if I have to tell you those, you're probably screwed up in your mind. So the Ten Commandments are ground rules for friendship. And they had so much time go by because it's obvious what friends should do. Aren't you like so broken hearted when a friend like is jealous of you and just wants what you have? And you can't hang out anymore because he's so jealous and mad at like you're like you can't ever be excited about your pay raise because he's thinking about how he deserves it. Right? This is I mean, this is like elementary school stuff. Every kid knows that you do this. But if you have to tell a group of adults this, that's because they need to have a transformed mind. Now here's the thing is God knows that it's going to take some time. So when he led you out of slavery, he's also committed to spending time with you and leading slavery out of you. Does it make sense? All right. Matthew 9, 35, just to prove it. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness there is again, and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. I just think this is wonderful. These people were so desperate for help, they followed him into a lonely place and didn't even bring food. For, they weren't thinking about how to, what, how to survive when they got there. This makes sense of payday loans. You're like in such a bad spot that you mortgage your future to get through today and then are even more enslaved after that. And God has, it says he has compassion. But he says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. The people to help go and disciple them into the transformed mind are few. They were there listening to Jesus, and he said they need someone to help them. They need to have a transformed mind. Okay, come on. We're, we're, we're almost done. You guys all right? Okay, good. Types of repentance, types of getting a new mind. There's the early church, when you were. Getting around with Jesus, there was five areas that they were asking you that you had to get a new mind in. The first one, maybe press right once. There we go. Your selfishness. Your me firstness. I'm using example already, but you see, guys, you may have never thought twice that there's a girl you're attracted to and your best friend was too. You may have never thought twice about just. Letting him have her. Girls say, people get so competitive and think that if they are unselfish, God will skip them. Be like, hey, you were just like me. Let me punish you with misery. <laughs> By habit, you're just like, me first, just taking cuts, just taking the front seat. Uh, in Texas, we say, we're backseat people. We fight over the backseat. Right? It's awesome. It's so much fun. It is so hilarious that we've switched it. Where whoever gets in the front feels shame. They're like, ah, oh, dang it. It's awesome. Maybe you never thought twice about being the one to just volunteer to pay. Or just to go do the gas or to go scrub the bugs off the windshield or to do the dishes. You're just like, man, just sitting there waiting for yourself to be served. And you just never even examined thinking about how, did, how if Jesus were here right now, what would he be doing? And his disciples, they had to have a transformed mind because they're, they're all like, they all should have watched each other's street, but they're like, that's beneath me. That's beneath me. That's beneath me. And then to doubt Thomas, like, why do I always get stuck with the job's not me, right? And, um, so, and then Jesus comes in and he goes, that's not beneath me. Wow, isn't it? Christianity is transformative. 
The reason America became a superpower is because early on, William Bradford said, we're going to act like Jesus. There was no rain. The Indians saw them dying. They prayed for rain. The rain came and the Indians knew that God had intervened. And then they shared what they had. Instead of, they actually ate more food than they had. They said, we need to celebrate and thank God. So we're going to eat this in faith. And they did. And they shared it. They ate the provisions for next week. And God supplied next week even after that. It was awesome. And that, in no other country, in almost no other country, if you get in a wreck, well, they shut down a freeway and make thousands and thousands of people wait so they can try to save your life. That is built on Christian principles. No other country can get that. We may not be Christian now, but the Christian principles are the reason there's a high value of life because of that. We'd rather inconvenience the masses and try to save this one person. All right, that's selfishness. So you got to repent. you got to look at your life and go, God, and this is going to be, some of you, i got to write a list. you got to go, God, where have I been? Me first. And, and you're, you're going to be, you're going to be embarrassed. It's, it's embarrassing to do this because you go, I am, I'm a pig. <laughs> I just think about myself all the time. It's me first, me first. And, and you got to repent of it. you got to, you got to get a new mind. you got to go, ew, I'm that guy. I'm that girl. I'm that one that I'm, I'm always annoyed with that person. And I didn't realize I'm that person. My senior year of high school, I'm sitting on a bench watching people walk, walk in. One of my best friends is my junior, sorry. And, then, and, I, and I'm just making fun of everybody that comes in, just every single person. And he goes, Eli, it's not really fun hanging out with you. All you do is bash people. And I was like, the very thing I hated about the ones that had bullied me most was the thing that I was doing. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I was just. By habit. The second one is your flesh. I'm sorry, it was your worldliness. Worldliness is propaganda. Getting drunk when you're 21. What you do after prom. Like, well, that's what everybody does. Where in the Bible does it say that's what everybody does? Wait, not everybody does that? Well, how am I going to get promoted if I don't do that? I don't know. I guess you have to trust the Lord. Wait, what? You mean to tell me if I don't put my best foot forward all the time and pretend to be better than I am, if I'm just actually humble, uh, then God will promote me? Yeah, the Bible promises if you humble yourself, He'll lift you up. Boom! Roasted! Wait, wait, wait. You mean, but actually, yeah, it says, if you promote yourself, you're humble you. Is there humble in coming? Because I've been doing a whole lot of stuff promoting. So you got to repent to me. Examine what is the worldliness that, one of the ways of worldliness is that you can't say that. Christian would never say that. Alright? Chapter and verse. John the Baptist said, repent and brood vipers. I mean, that's straight up Bible. I'm not prepared to wait for Jesus to come. So maybe it's possible that someone could be really pointed and kind of hurt my feelings. And not be ungodly. But worldliness is no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Alright, moving on. Flesh, devil, righteousness. I'm taking two more. Flesh again is your habits. It's your, it's you know, one of my one of my buddies. He he he, he just basically slept with every girl that he could, and had this radical encounter with God. And all of a sudden, he he's in Houston, and there's this girl, and just before he knows it, he's wicked. He's he's like, what did I do? Why am I here? And what happened was never else, ne every other time in his life, he never told himself no. It's just yes, yes, yes. And so now what's happening is he goes, God, God, I wasn't thinking I want to commit adultery and I want to, I wasn't even thinking, God, my flesh, my flesh, 
That's the word for flesh is not how you were born, but the habits you've developed. The propaganda that says this is just what we do when we get here. All right, the devil, righteousness. Okay, yeah, yeah. James 3, 14 and 18. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. The wisdom that does not come from God is earthly. It's only concerned with things on earth. It's sensual. It's meant to feel right. And it's demonic. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's meant to feel right, but ruin you. So be very wary and go, wow, why, why are you here? It just kind of felt right. I need to find out what God says. And it says this. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Think about when you're being confused. Maybe you're confused right now. The Bible says very simply, if you're confused, it's probably because there's envy. What am I supposed to do in my life? God, are even there? It's envy and self-seeking. 1 John 3, 18, 20. It says, This therefore, let us not love in actions and in truth. Let us not love in words or tongue, but in, but in action and in truth. Don't just love with your words, but love with your actions. This then is how we put our hearts at rest whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. I remember going, God, I don't even know how I'm going to with you. Do you like me? God, will you affirm me, please? And then I read this verse, and it says, don't love in words or tongue, but in action and in truth. And I remember this principle. Okay, find someone to love on, to love unselfishly for God. Carl Menninger, great uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, people would come to him because they had mental stuff going on, and he goes, what I want you to do first is I want you to serve somebody unselfishly that can't give you anything for one week. And then come back to me if you still need help. And so much of the craziness of the mind came because that person was selfish in their mind. To be selfish means to be insane. Because you're saying my happiness is more important than the rest. That's insanity. So to antidote unselfishness. Not someone you can use later. Not someone that can bless you later. To pour out your life unselfishly for someone. I need to tell some more stories, but I'm out of time. Where, what are the powers to be? Where are my powers going to be? All right. Yeah. I don't know who the powers to be were, but thank you for that. I just did. I'm listening to voices again. <laughs> we, uh, we have this wonderful girl, her name is Val. Came to our group and kind of you know, walked in, kind of did see unaware. She got a hold of the guy and we were in her house a little while ago. And She's all alone in the middle of this desert, trying to help start a new ministry. Single, 24, 25, pretty. And we go into her house, and there's like all these wonderful books. And there's a piano with a guitar hanging on the wall, and there's a sitting area here and a sitting area there, and there's some board games in here. And there's, there's a TV, but you can't actually see where the TV is. You have to go, what's the TV? Oh, there it is. She's lonely, and you come in that house, and you feel the presence of God. And you're like, this is awesome. And the reason you feel the presence of God is because when she was lonely, which has been a lot, she cries out to God, and he meets her in that room. And you come in that room, and you feel to God. And then we go into this other guy's house. And I walk in, 
28-year-old guy. He's got a shelf with 300 Pops dolls. And this, what are Pops? They're these little dolls, about this big, they're all in boxes. And they have like Darth Vader Pops and Harry Potter Pops and they're just like, and they're collectibles. And you research and you find the ones and you buy them, I guess, for $15 and $20. And so, 300 dolls. And then on the wall is this huge TV with all these controllers nice and neatly charging. Video games and stacks of stuff. I open a closet, and there's more games, and two replica $200 lightsabers. No! Yeah. No! All right, guys, you ready for this? And this guy was a small boy. And I walked in, and I couldn't find any shred of evidence that where he lived, how to care for God. Of course, the small groups weren't that great. People would start to have something move and then disappear. And I'm looking. I'm like, this, this is bad. <laughs> I can hardly sleep. I'm so bothered. And so I take him to this other person's house. And I go, look at this person in the room. What do you think? What do you think? This, this, it wasn't valid. It was dead. This other helpless house. What do you think they love? What do you think they value? Walks in and there's sitting area, no TV, some chairs facing each other. He goes, looks like they like to talk. Yeah, it's cool. What else? Uh, some books. What kind of books? Well, oh, okay. And so that book, I think these people, if someone has this thing and they have this kind of books, what do you think they do in this living room? I think they like to talk about God. Yeah, they enjoy thinking about him. Which means the more they talk about him and think about him, the more they think like him and talk like him. And go to the room and there's like a little gym, a bed. And I go, what do you think, what do you think they think about? And he goes, man, they, well, these, they live here in this house just a little bit of, of the year. But these are the essentials to them for living. Is some physical fitness, place to sleep, and fellowship. Wow. 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 Well, I think, show the bounce house and go, what do you think, what do you think she thinks about? Same thing. I go, when you go in your house, you see 300 dolls and video games and no apparent care. So I said, you're gonna be on a kitchen storage unit for six months. And she put all those dolls in the storage room. And for every five dollars you pack up, I want you to think about someone that was hungry for God that you didn't have an answer for. Because you're thinking about how to collect this doll instead of how to give them an answer that was from God. So he did. And I was astounded because we went to over 500 of these stupid dolls. 500 dolls. So while this is going down, I'm thinking about his music game system. And I go, I'm going to make a trade with you. And I had a, a Bible, an F.W. Boring book, and a uh, John Edwards book about love. And I go, I want to know if you'll trade me all your video games for that stack of books. Are your system there? Okay, yeah, wait, no problem. Because I want to redefine what's valuable to you. You have to do it. It's up to you. But I want to know if what's held in these books is more valuable to you than the entertainment that's in those. He's like, he's like, okay, yeah, sure. And he seemed a little bit too flippant about it. I'm like, and your lightsabers. And he went, oh! Yeah, he didn't scream out loud. That's what space like went. <laughs> and 
other words, the reason he wasn't experiencing any freedom or giving people any freedom is he didn't have a transformed mind. And so, uh, I'm going to bring a book tonight. And we'll make a trade. It's a boring book. We'll make a trade, but here's the question as we end. is when you get home tonight when this is done, or if you got time to go now, will you go and get rid of everything that takes away from you bathing your mind in the thinking of the Lord? Do you want to have freedom? Do you want to have answers? Do you want to have joy? You're not going to get it if you keep propagating your mind with the answers of the world. Lord, you see our hearts. Amen.